Liz, I think before we get started, you have to tell the audience about your cats because they're going to be. Oh, yeah. No, um, Ghost is here. He's very curious. Lunchbox could give a fuck. Um, but I'm sure all it will take is like moving some kind of cord and they'll both uh, attack this whole setup. Yeah, so they'll be making appearances throughout the show. They're seven months old and they're free spirits. <laughs> Isn't all, like all cats, aren't they all free spirits? Oh, yeah, no, they'll forever be ruining my life. I've never, um, the dog I have now, she's like the first pet I've ever had. My mom was like too much of a neat freak growing yeah. up for us to have pets. Um, but I've, I've always like been curious about cats just because they are such funny little guys as i'm watching yeah and you know he's jump gonna, up. look he's gonna fucking go bite a cactus this this <laughs> is sorry yeah it's a cactus if i could turn around the camera right now i would buddy that's not for you do the leap do the leap onto the table he's you know you want to do it such a spider. We'll just, now we have like a set piece no, it's good. It's like decoration. Yeah, he, but he they, he's run off with it, and you can see he's destroying it. But it hurts. Like it hurts my fingers. I don't. He puts his mouth on it. And there's no like l lessons no, learned. No, he's a dumb dumb. He does it every every day. Oh man, so I mean, like, is it like is it like an age thing? Will it like pick up over time? I, they might get better, but honestly, they're just they're little preys. Like they're little predators. Like they're just they everything is they attack everything. The I only thing that's going to change is eventually they're old and they'll be too tired to be annoying. Yeah, isn't it like uh, I've heard that if cats were the size of like lions or like actual jungle cats, they would like probably kill their owners or like. Um, uh, they're pretty close to killing their owners <laughs> at the size that they are. <laughs> um, yeah, no, because so a lot of countries are like trying to ban feral cats because they're like killing off like bird populations. Like they are, they're really good at what they do. Like I, I had a cat before this that like we had a mouse problem, and he's like, I got you. Like you know, so they're, they are differently beneficial than dogs but they do have just as many kind of home benefits but they're also like a different type of annoying yes you don't have to like walk them at you know 7 a.m so they can pee but also you know they're you know they'll probably take a shit while we're doing this and you'll know like right. you know what i mean but also like some there was somebody else's tweet it was someone else's tweet that was like cats are great if you want somebody to watch tv with and dogs are great if you need a best friend you know what I mean? Yeah. And so they sit on my lap as soon as I sit down. We, I watched a movie with them. They're paying attention to the movie. Like, they're, like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like a third-grade couch potato, we don't have our driver's license friendship. As There's no, like, outdoor friendship, outdoor activities. Yeah, as like opposed to, like, house. when you get your license and you're like, let's go on adventures, and that's what a dog's for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, I'm I'm out like at the dog park at like seven o'clock every morning with my dog. I I'm, yeah. since I, I haven't been working the last few months, so I've I've I don't know if I would call it the mistake, but I've made a habit out of taking her out every morning. And now like in the summer, the sun comes up, she sees it come through the window. Yeah, and she like she doesn't understand that it's like five thirty yeah, in the yeah, morning yeah, yeah, and it's not yeah. time to go outside. Like tennis ball in the mouth, jumping on me. Like time to go, let's go. Yeah, yeah. And you're trying to teach her like fucking time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, each each has their own uh, pros and cons. Ran yeah. Randy Syfax was the one that sold me on like you got to get a cat. Yeah, he just, loves his cat. Uh, John is like that's He's the first cat I ever got very very yeah. close with. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's wonderful. And and I I anybody that doesn't like a cat just hasn't had a cat. That's you know what I mean? Like yes, they're idiots, like mm -hmm. you know, but like at the same time like so am I. Like they're really funny. Mm -hmm. Like genuinely I laugh. So I'll probably Cats are comedians and, and dogs are improvisers, I feel like. Sure. And like and genuinely like I'll probably while you're packing up have to feed them and they circle me like sharks while crying. And like I've ne like I've like I've made they act like every time I open a can, I've kept it for myself. <laughs> and they really, like, truly, like, I've never fed them. Wow. It, when you feed them, they're insane. and it, Very food motivated. And it makes me laugh so hard. They're so funny. Well, so funny. I know. I'm, I, I really am going to have to, like, during this whole podcast, train myself just to not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Ghost is up there just, like, doing this and, like, yeah. cleaning himself. And I'm not used to being around cats. Yeah, yeah. It's all, like, novel behavior yeah. for me. And they're just. All right, yeah. We'll, we'll get off the cats and on to the, the comedy stuff. This is Liz Mealy. Um, so thank you for having me over here. Uh, I wanted when I first came up with the idea for this podcast you were like one of the people that like other people kept bringing up to me of yeah. like like Katie Boyle and Amy Hawthorne like you gotta get Liz Mealy on she yeah. like does all this all this great stuff I feel like ever since I moved to New York 10 years ago I've always seen you as someone who's like a working comic yeah um, 
and I, I I was thinking about that. I was like, that's that's kind of wild because like Liz and I are like the same age, but I I didn't realize until like recently like you started extremely young. Yeah, I started when I was sixteen. And yeah. how how you lived in? New I Jersey? lived in New Jersey. Yeah, so okay. I just in, uh, I was in high school, so I would take New Jersey tran- transit every weekend, and then when I got into college, I started coming in Thursday, Friday, like Thursday through Sunday, and then when I was in college, I started doing it every day. So. Wow. Where where'd you go to college? Uh, new school. It's, okay. You know, so like in, in the, the West, city. Yeah, West Village. Yeah. What like what actually um, motivated you at that young of an age to like really get into it? Because it's it seems like because when I was a kid, I was oh I want to be a comedian, but I, I would never even think to like go and do it. Yeah, I guess I mean I was very sad and everything sucked. Welcome. Um, everything just kind of sucked, and I it was the only thing that made me happy. Like watching it and sure. Um, watching it and and trying to write jokes like I started writing jokes and showing them to my friends when I was like 14 years old so I was already kind of getting into it and then my friend bought me like a how to do stand-up book I started reading this book when I was 15 and like like showing my friends my jokes and then my friend um, was working at this toy store and the manager had dropped out of high school like he would have been a senior when I was a freshman and so I was uh, I was 15 at the time and he was a manager of this toy store that my friend worked at and he was doing comedy. He was an open micer. He had been doing it a year, but in my mind I was like, he's doing it. And so she like introduced me to him. I started showing him my jokes. He started being like, you got to go to the city. And in my mind, I was like, will you do it when you're 25? Cause everybody on TV is 25. And he was like, just do it now. Like he had started when he was 17 and I was like, Oh, I guess I could start now. So I'm really great. You know, we're not friends anymore, but like, I'm really grateful to have, met somebody that was like why wouldn't you just do it now and so that's what I did when I was 16 my friend planned this whole spring break because her aunt and uncle lived in the city we slept on their floor in Brooklyn and I did an o- I did a uh, bringer show at the cellar no way in 2002 wow because they used to have bringer shows yeah I've heard like Aziz and Sari tell stories of like a bringer show he did when he was at NYU uh Dino Bidala he he still does stand up but he's mostly like um uh has like a political show in Sirius he yeah. hosted my first show wow yeah <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of wild when you first start like the amount of people that kind of come back around or people that eventually become like big parts of your life like they were like it's almost like um i don't want to say the end of the usual suspects but it's like something similar where it's oh my god he was that the entire time or he was there like they're always kind of kind of around yeah and i think i think that's where people in this business are excuse me so short-sighted because like you'll have people be shitty to people in an open mic and you're like first of all people grow people get better and People become writers. People become casting. People come, you know what I mean? They, their best friend becomes fucking, you know, I don't know, Jim Gaffigan. And you, <laughs> you've shit on them for what reason? Just who gives a shit if they're not great right now? You're not great right now. Right. And I think I've always just loved anybody that's ever tried. And I think it's even now, like, I don't care if you're good or not. Be a good person. Do your best. And I'll help anybody because I think this business is hard no matter if you're the most talented person in the room or the worst person in the room. And who am I to tell you you should try or not try? But I I think this business is – he's such a, an attention whore. I'm sorry. Oh, I love him. But I, I think for me I feel very fortunate that I approached this in a I'm just happy to be here kind of way and I just wanted to get to know everybody and anybody that was just as passionate because you I think anybody that's passionate about anything you feel kind of alone because you're dorking out about this thing and everybody else is like I don't care and then when I found other like-minded people that were comedy nerds like I was and were trying it like I was it felt like the first time this like real friendship <laughs> I, I love that my this podcast is a cat cafe no that's fine yeah it's 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 uh that's all probably one of the benefits of doing video because yeah, if, yeah. It, if it was just audio it's like what is all that like scuffling yeah, around yeah, it's yeah. like no we have these cute cats yeah why is pete crying in the middle of this <laughs> <laughs> i want to take one home uh no it's such a great uh approach to have like that kind of like were you, do you feel like you were able to kind of carry that like throughout your career and like maybe, maybe when things were like a little more lean or a little more tough like like did you like were you able to keep that kind of buoyancy yeah, I think I definitely went through a sad, bitter phase around 10 years in, but it was those friends I met in open mics, those friends that were actually more successful that were able to be like, it's not your time right now, but your time will come. And I think when you go through the ups and downs with people that have also gone through those ups and downs, it's like a marriage. Like, y- y- you truly have felt every experience. They know everything you've ever been through. They know how much you care. They know that what goes up will come down what goes down will come up and this business is truly 
Sorry. <laughs> 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 Such a dumb dumb. Um, this business truly is um, the longevity of it. It really is a marathon. So I think for me, it I feel fortunate that I because I maintained that I just want to do this in any capacity, whether it was successful or not, whether it was received well or not, I. I surrounded myself with like-minded people that believed in me as much as I believed in them. That's that's great, and like it, it does. It one thing I've kind of realized is like one of the more I don't want to say ultimate truths, but like that the kind of long view of things. Yeah. Where, you know, because when you start out and you're only a few years in, or even like even more than like five or six between five and ten, like you don't really realize how much things can change over time. Yeah. And you, you almost feel like stuck in this kind of ever present now, like the way it is now is the way yeah. it's going to be forever. And like, that's not fair. And I got to like yeah. anger my yeah. way out of it. Yeah. And I think you have always been, um, that's one thing I've noticed about you is you have always been like very giving with advice. I think one time I was at uh, hosting a show at New York comedy club and you were talking to someone who like wasn't even on the show and was like very new and like hanging out. And they asked like, how do you get into the comedy cellar? Like someone yeah. who's clearly very far away from that. Yeah. But like, being very giving with the advice and very truthful with everything. Yeah, yeah, because I think there seems to be this kind of gatekeeping that doesn't even make sense. Like, just because I tell you everything you should do or I've done doesn't mean they're, A, going to do it, B, that it's going to be received the same way, and 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 who cares if this person becomes more – I can't tell you how many people I've given social media advice that have three times as many followers than I do now. I'm happy for them. Mm -hmm. It's great. Like, I'm glad it worked. It worked better than it did even for myself. Um, but their success doesn't take away from my success. And you have no idea where that can kind of come back around. And uh, honestly, this business is only expanding in how you can make money and how you can grow a fan base. So, like, fuck it. I learned something new just as much as I've kind of showed people the next pathway. And I'm just as much learning what I'm going to do next. There's no there's no path and things are changing so rapidly that like I was really ahead of the curve in a lot of the social media stuff, mm -hmm. but now I'm kind of just doing what like a, like maybe I used to be like 5 years in advance and now I'm like 3 weeks in advance. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm still figuring out what for me I want to do and I have more choices than I had before, but I'm still like <laughs> Oh, not a bite, buddy. It's a love. It's a love bite. Oh, thank you. Oh, oh that was meaner. Ghosty. It's okay. It's because he wants attention. Oh, it's okay, pal. Oh, 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 ghosty. Right, not that one. Too much, bud. Sorry, baby. As long as he doesn't draw blood, we're good. Ghosty, inappropriate. Um, you're right. I have always kind of seen you as like ahead of the curve on some of the social media stuff. Is that? You can literally push him off the table. Oh, okay, pal. I'll just keep him at like a, a hand's length if I can. Um, Most chaotic <laughs> podcast you've ever done. I did warn you. No, it's fine. I'm I'm so into it. Again, like you gotta. That's what the video's for. He did cause blood. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh damn. Fuck. I'm so sorry. It's all right. He really got you. I'm nah. so sorry. It's all right. I'll uh I'll wipe. Should I get a bandit or maybe it's like a paper towel if you have it? Yeah. Where was I with that about? Oh yeah, you like. I have always seen you as like ahead of the curve and like where did, have you always been that way in terms of like because I because I guess wh where I'm, what I'm kind of getting at is like you know since you started like very early like 2002 where kind of the old advice was like just be around hang out like very in-person analog stuff yeah um and then like that obviously shifted like took a huge shift over time sure um, I had to be ahead of the I never was a big drinker, and then I eventually stopped drinking. I stopped drinking like eight years ago, so I never really enjoy drinking. Drinking when you are young mm -hmm. and female is more dangerous and just didn't feel good. Like, I didn't like the attention I was getting. I didn't like the people. I didn't, um, I didn't like it. It didn't make me feel like it was professional. Mm -hmm. So I was never a big drinker. I didn't like the hang. The hang didn't feel business-wise. Uh, effective and also it's funny Amy posted Amy Hawthorne posted a video oh, god damn it ghost 
he posted a video she posted a video maybe like a couple months ago that was like yeah do facetime but when i see somebody doing facetime all i can think is they're not working right and that's how i felt why am i sitting here at a bar hoping that the booker might notice me when they're not learning anything about my craft and all they are actually learning is that I'm not working right now. I'd rather do a mic. I'd rather do a free bar show. I'd rather fucking write in my in my apartment. And that's what I did. I would I would hustle to get as much stage time as possible because I just wanted to get better. And yes, I wanted to be in the clubs. Yes, I wanted to make money doing this. But how am I going to... That is such a stifled... Come on, bud. That's such a like stifled viewpoint of like well, I need to get into this now. And it's like, yeah, but you might get into it now and be okay. And I want to get into it soon or later and be one of the best and right. be proud of what I do. And so I think because being good and being able to look myself in the mirror and be proud of myself was way more important than uh, consistent or current accolades, I, I do think I have a mental advantage to a lot of comics. Well, like you feel like you're not so dependent on other people to kind of like kind of push you through or to and also I didn't get a lot of people like I so I I'm I'm both like I had early success and then I had no success so like I got passed at most comedy clubs when I was 19 oh wow so because I was young because I kind of stood out as a female comic that was young there really aren't that many that started that young and because I was a hustler like I got passed at Gotham when I was 19 comic strip live when I was 19 stand-up New York um, um, uh, New York comedy club and then as I went on, I got passed up more com up more clubs. And then I got on Comedy Central, Live at Gotham on Comedy Central when I was 22. Um, and then I started like auditioning for Late Night, but I actually have never done Late Night. I never got Late Night. I auditioned for Just for Laughs six or seven times, got callbacks, never booked it. Like um, there's so many things that my friends did that I've never done and it hurt. It hurt a lot and it was super frustrating and it definitely, made me doubt myself and I'm very fortunate for the friends that were like you're great and you're only going to get better and these things don't matter and eventually I hit a breaking point when I lost my manager he just literally moved to a different department that he couldn't bring me to I couldn't get another manager I couldn't even do these late night auditions nobody was paying attention to me at all and I just had this epiphany that was like if nobody wants me does that determine if I can still do this business? I'm not gonna, I don't wanna let this business decide what makes me happy and if I'm allowed to do it. Yes, I would like to headline. Yes, I would like to do this full time. But even if it's just a hobby, I'm not gonna let the business decide that I can't do this. So what can I do on my own? So I started to learn about social media. I read Gary Vaynerchuk's first book when it came out. It was called Crush It. It came out 2010, I think. Oh, wow. So I read his first book. I started learning more about social media. I ended up reading about 10 social media books in the course of like a couple of years. I took a P I took Cambry Cruz's PR class um, at when she first opened up QED 10 years ago. Um, I uh, decided that in my mind, what was important to me to feel like a real comic and to prove that I was a headliner was I was gonna make an album. So then I started to figure out, do I wanna do a record label? Do I wanna do it alone? So I started interviewing comics that had done it with Comedy Central, had done it with Rooftop. Um, I ended up meeting with Greg Warren at the time when he still lived in the city, and he gave me the pros and cons of um, of doing it on, like he's like, I've done it both on my own and I've done it with Comedy Central, here's the pros and cons. So I ended up deciding to do it on my own. <laughs> the ghost is um, relentless, <laughs> relentless. Um, so I think for me, I, I had a real shift in mindset when I was really truly starting to become bitter 10 years in that I'm not, I'm not happy where I am. I know I deserve more, but I'm at the very least gonna do what makes me feel proud of myself. And that's boast about what I'm doing and, and try to build a fan base as well as prove that I'm worth, because I was like featuring and stuff, but I, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't full time yet. And I ended up being full time about 10 years in, but like paying my rent like $50 gigs at a time and mm -hmm. like truly feeling, um, every month and I think for me I I don't know where that self-esteem came from because I swear to God I didn't have it until probably like three years ago but I just loved comedy so much and I had enough good friends that told me I had enough little moments that sh showed that I was good enough but I didn't want to just be good enough I wanted to be 
proud of what I was doing. And that first album was the best thing I ever did for myself. He pops out of nowhere. He's great. I'm going to keep the Usually I cut back and forth, like, whenever I edit. But I'm just going to keep the full screen the entire time so everyone can see these crazy cats, specifically that guy jumping yeah, around. Yeah, ghosty. Um, no, I think that's so awesome, and it's great to hear that. Two things that I think of when I hear that. So you, you say, like, you don't know where that confidence came from, and but you still, like, had – this drive to take Cambry's class and to read all these books and stuff at like, even when you didn't necessarily have it. I've, I've, I heard something once that like your interests are like your future self calling out to you, like into the past. So it's like kind of, it was almost like you now reaching back to you 10, 12 years ago and being like, here's the stuff you're going to need. Here's what's going to make you happy. You're going to need a compass. You're going to need, (laughs) you're going to need a poncho. You're Mm -hmm. going to need a granola bar. Like, don't go out here without snacks. Like exactly. for sure. I mean, I'm now the person still teaching people about how to do social media. I keep up on it. I take risks. I am a shadow of the person I was both emotionally, creatively, and business-wise. And I am everyone's kind of creative business guru. I was just on the phone with my friend who's a London comic, and she had a Comedy Central UK thing come out. And I was like, this is what you got to do. And I gave her a couple ideas, and she's like, you're so smart. I go, yeah, dude, like, don't let this – just because your manager's not doing anything, don't let it fall to the ground. He is juggling ten people. You just have to juggle yourself. So just figure out a way to get it out there. Like, like no one's going to work harder for you than you. For sure. Yeah. Even though you had those, those moments of, like, self-doubt or bit- bitterness or whatever, but you said you had enough of those small wins along the way, but you had, like, people kind of – and friends in the industry kind of – pushing you along a little bit or like kind of generating some confidence for you like 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 hearing compliments for them kept you going sure like like uh, you know the industry didn't give a fuck but like I lived with Carmen Lynch during this time and she had just gone on Letterman she just got on Conan she's having all this success that truly I had hoped for and I'm happy for her like I love her with my whole heart we started together she's brilliant but I I remember crying at the kitchen table so much during this time being like hey I don't want to diminish what you're going through but I am lost and her like a mama bear truly holding me like this (laughs) being like you're brilliant you're only going to get better things are going to happen just keep pushing and so I think that's important but I also think experimentation is important and I think a lot of people are too scared to fail publicly and I know people that they post a video it gets four views and they take it down and I go yeah but if the next video hits they, they don't want to just see that you have one video up. You're a one-hit wonder. They want to see that you're doing things. So mm-hmm. I would just kind of fail in public over and over again to the point where my first album that I'm you know talking about, it did fine. I got like one viral video. It got millions of views on like YouTube and Instagram. People started to pay attention to me. It did everything I thought it would do. But it wasn't like this huge moneymaker. Over time, I started to make royalties from SiriusXM. I did start to like things started to move in the right direction but it was like you know everything you do you hope it moves you to famous and it moved me to two steps on this kind of you know game you know this chess board what year was that album 2000 how old am i i'm 28 when it comes out so that was 10 years ago okay so like 10 11 years ago so fast forward I do another album. I do the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I start touring Europe because nobody wants me here. Might as well bomb in Belgium if I'm bombing in Ohio. And then I start doing the Edinburgh Festival. That starts moving things forward. I start opening for my friend Hari Kundabulu, and he starts giving me advice, and that starts moving things forward. Then I decide that I'm going to tape my own special because like HBO was like flirting with me, but they would never do anything, and I'm tired of waiting for them. So I was probably the one of the first people to put out a YouTube special mm-hmm. you know what I mean like I was written up in the New York Times because it was me you know Andrew Schultz me Mark Norman Sam Morell I think I think Joe List it's around like 2018-2019 yeah so I taped mine in 2019 and it came out in 2020 okay and then you know because of 2020 that's when things started to come out on YouTube so Hannibal Burris put his stuff out there and and um Nick DiPaolo and 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 now you know huge people are you know huge like I look at Mateo Lane's special and you know it's I have had countless people that I've had HBO specials Netflix specials ask me advice about YouTube specials which is wild but the whole thing was I am not going to stifle my career and the craft I want to do because somebody's not going to put it on TV I'll just fucking put it out there. And I'm very fortunate that I put my old hour that I put the, and I taped everything. So I had, you taped it all the way back in like 20. Yeah. So I paid a guy, I I paid a guy a hundred bucks to film this, um, this first hour. And I was putting out clips there, which 
for my PR class, they went viral. So, you know, now we put out clips every week. I was putting out clips once a month mm -hmm. starting 15 years ago. So Clips on YouTube? On YouTube, on Facebook, on everything. Oh, wow. And you originally you could do it where you put it on YouTube and you put the link and they would support the link. Like mm -hmm. they would, you, Twitter supported it. But eventually they had their own videos and you had to go with that. But in the beginning, one of the reasons my YouTube thing went so well is I, it, it could be a part of Twitter. It could be a part of Facebook, what have you. So all that said is I put the video during 2020. I wanted to prove to Comedy Central I had a fan base. So I put out the full video unedited on YouTube in March of 2020. It has over 3 million views. And that's from seven years prior. Yes, wow. and 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 I've made more money and more fans from this hour, ten years ago that it's ended up supporting when I put my next special out there. Wow! And I have almost a hundred thousand YouTube followers, which is the hardest place to build up, because of one viral video, around twelve years ago, and an hour I posted seven years late. I have a t I have a Tinder joke that's like Tinder. You know the new thing Tinder. Like I. <laughs> You know what I mean? To the point where I had to be like, hey, this is really old because some people are like, this is funny, but this is weird. And it, the best part about it, talk about like, you know, reactive uh, self-esteem. I was like, I knew this hour was good. Mm -hmm. I knew it was good. And I'm almost, I'm, I'm glad I kept pushing myself, but I am a little sad for 28-year-old Liz who thought she wasn't good enough. And of course I got better because I didn't and it pushed me to keep pushing and I like the writer and the person I've become because it was so hard. But I am a little sad for... 28 year old me who was like I'm not good enough mm -hmm. and I was this industry just doesn't care yeah do you, I mean do you think though that even though it was tough for 28 year old Liz it was almost like worth it in a way you're like I think like would you make the same trade if if, if you could kind of live it over again I have a, a friend who's trying to date and she wants a family she wants like kids she wants the husband and kids and mm -hmm. we're all in our late 30s and the time to have done that was five years ago and she's complaining and I look at her and I go if you knew in three years you were going to meet the man of your dreams you're going to have your first baby and everything that you wanted was going to work out would you be a little calmer like would you feel like okay would it feel like a little bit better and she's like absolutely I was like well why don't you approach dating and dates like that just believe that it's going to happen you don't know when you don't know how you don't know who with but it's going to happen and I wish I could have said that to 28-year-old Liz mm -hmm. because I am proud of where I am. Everything is okay, and I can use that resource going forward. But I was in so much pain, and I was so sad during that time. <laughs> You're going to no. make a reel of him just popping up. I will, yeah. Seconds. You were being a nightmare. A nightmare. Um, if I knew I was going to birth a nightmare, a nightmare. So that's what it was. I think the only thing I regret is how fucking sad I was. And and I'm very fortunate. I still have all my open mic friends. I st I've made friends along the way. I have so many friends that supported me during this really kind of bitter and really depressed time between a breakup and things not working out and fucking starving to, like, you know what I mean, eating peanut butter and jelly for every, you know, uh, meal so that I could just use all my money to pay rent. But <laughs> he's obsessed with you. Yeah, go for it. What a nightmare. No, it's good. Again, do anything for content, right? Yeah. Um, th we're about, like, yeah, tough time, 28, breakup, all that stuff. To the point where now, like, I have a friend of mine who opens for me who's, you know, pushing himself and doing all this stuff, and he, he'll get really sad, and I'll be like, hey, this business forever, no matter where you are, is going to be up, down, up, down, up, down. If you're lucky, you're still going up, but it's never, it's never like that. It's mm -hmm. never like a straight, you know what I mean, like inflation. We're like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. There's no hockey stick. That yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's. What you hope is that when you go down, your down is a little bit higher than where it was down before, mm -hmm. and it just kind of. And you, it's, there's always going to be lulls. There's always going to be kind of nothing is happening. And then there's little peaks, and then it goes down again. You have to figure out how to be okay with all of it. Yeah. You're going to make fans. Things are going to be weird. People are going to think you're hot shit. People are not going to pay attention to you. And what happens is people either very early are hot shit and can't handle it when they're not hot shit, or they work hard, they work hard, they work hard, they get to be hot shit, and then they have that lull again, and it's over forever for them. Mm -hmm. As opposed to my entire career, it was really never hot shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even at the beginning when you really got past it in 19, were you, were you feeling hot shit then? I don't think I felt hot shit because 
I was excited and I was proud of myself, but you know, I I think a part of me knew that I wasn't anywhere close to what I wanted. I was just working spots and I always wanted to be a full-time comic. I always wanted to like make albums and specials. So like just to get pla past the clubs, it was like, oh, this seems like I'm on the right path. But I couldn't feel like hot shit because it's like I knew I was still a baby. Yeah, it wasn't a marker. or It wasn't the end goal. It was a marker. Yes. Okay. So it was, it was a sticker on my resume. What were you doing for, for day jobs? Like you said you were full-time and yes. only went full-time three years ago? No, 10 years oh, ago. Oh, 10 years yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so I, um, I, I always tempted. I was a temp because I, I would quit every job. So, like, I remember I got into this festival in Boston, and I was a temp at a office. I was, like, a secretary. And not even able to pay my rent it was like so bad like mm. it was it was so bad so like between my comedy spots and doing this job i was able to pay for things but it was like i don't know if you can hear that crying but a little, i don't think it's not coming through on the mic yeah. so i think we're good all right he can suffer a little bit yeah. but um so <laughs> lunchbox is going to visit him in prison <laughs> um he's like well i'm free um so what was i saying oh so i had this temp job i hated it and i asked off for that Friday because I was a Friday and a Saturday at this um, festival and they said no and I quit the next day. Wow. Anything that got in the way of me doing stand-up because it's like it's a shitty temp I can get another shitty temp job. Right. So I quit that then I started doing like the Javits Center had um, these kind of this temp work like you would make badges and like you know they would have these conventions every couple of days so you would work really long hours three days and then you'd be off for three days and it was very like super freelancey and um, Were I those long hours getting in the way of comedy? Like you couldn't do stand-up on those days? No, it would be like 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. And then oh I would yeah. just like change in the bathroom and run and do spots. But it was also like Monday through Wednesday. So I could still like do, do other things. And I was starting to get colleges at that point, which was really helping. And then I babysat my last real job. I was a nanny, and the hours were three to seven. It was perfect. Yeah. So I would like work out and write and do shit during the day. I'd pick him up. I'd be at their house. Half the time he had tutors. He was super rich. So I'm just sitting there on my phone, like getting work done while he's being tutored. And then I would go and run and do spots. It didn't interfere with anything. And then the mom didn't work. So um, if I did get a college gig or I got some money thing, I would give her a huge heads up and it'd be like, hey, is there any way I can take off Wednesday? I got this college gig. And 99% of the time, she said yes she would almost like babysit for you like yeah, like, yeah it's, like her kid. It's, it, yeah. it's your kid watch your kid <laughs> but they were super supportive of me being a comic they were very nice the and i was basically 50 50 like it wasn't a shit ton of money i think i made 400 dollars a week but i was also making pretty decent money as a comic it just wasn't enough mm -hmm. to and then once he got older they let me go and i saved i tried to just live off my babysitting money and i was able to start you know doing more stuff how do you like just for that period of time, having to be so frugal and like live such like a limited, did you feel like it was a kind of a limited lifestyle or like, did you see like friends of yours, like doing all this extra stuff that you like can't afford or you can't do if you want to save money? A hundred percent. I lived like a runaway teenager up until probably about five years ago Wow. to the point where things started to take off in my career five years ago. And I continued to kind of live that way. And I had to be like, you have money to do that. Go do that. Mm -hmm. And my rent was so cheap. I was kind of ready to like move into like this place and 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 like I wanted to live with the, my boyfriend at the time and that didn't work out. But like I could tell the reason I wanted to live with my boyfriend was I'm done living like a teenager. I lived with two guys. I lived with one roommate for 11 years, one of my best friends, the other guy for six years, one of my favorite people. But I was done being angry about someone not doing the dishes. Yeah. And I was done just living in a box with my cat. Like, you know what I mean? I wanted my own space and I continued to live there with the hopes of moving in with this boyfriend, but then when that kind of wasn't going to happen, I remember talking to my buddy Burkash and being like, well, what am I going to do? I don't want to keep living here. He's like, you can live alone. And I was like, oh, I never thought of that. Because it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's like drilled into you for so many years yeah, where it's like, I need yeah, roommates. Yeah, and e yeah, I need roommates, and what if, you know, I'm freelance, whatever. And then I was like, dude, you're financially fine. Like, I made so much money with royalties from my last three albums, and then my specials I made good money, and I'm a saver, and I was living below my means the whole time. So there was a five-year period where I was living like I was broke, mm -hmm. because also I'm not, all I'm doing is working. And then when I, um, the pandemic happened, I was able to kind of utilize things and it was okay. And then when I started working again, I started to look for a, a place on my own. And I, I'm paying three times as much as I was paying before. And it's still under what I can, like I could afford even more than this. That's great. And so, and I still live pretty frugally. Like I'm not, I'm still a person that's not going around blowing their money around. So I, I think for me, 
I was raised to be fiscally responsible. And I have benefits. Like, I'm not going to pretend I don't have uh, luxuries. My parents lived in New Jersey. I borrowed my dad's car every weekend for eight years. Wow. Every weekend. To go work the road? For go work the road. So if I was doing Connecticut, I would take New Jersey Transit to New York, to New Jersey, borrow my dad's car, do a gig in Connecticut, next morning wake up early, return my dad's car, and it was exhausting. I was fucking exhausted. So I ended up saving like $4,000, and I asked my dad if he'd help me buy a used car. Like, will you come with me? Da, 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 da. And he surprised me. He's like, take my car. You can have it. It was always yours anyway. Oh, wow. That money should be when it breaks down, because it will break down <laughs> soon. And then I totaled that car two years later, and I took the insurance money, and I bought another car. So, like, I, I'm not going to pretend both the support of my parents and being able to borrow a car didn't have its advantages and didn't help me. And then even just the fact that my parents were emotionally supportive. You know, my dad was always trying to get me to get some degree or some part-time job, and I, I, a lot of it was out of fear. But now that I'm successful and I'm doing well and stuff like that, I don't hear any of that. My parents are just happy i'm i'm one of five i'm one of the ones they don't have to worry about anymore <laughs> which is wild you know are you are you older than i'm the second oldest of okay. five so my baby brother just finished taking the bar yesterday oh wow yeah he's the pride and joy of the family what, what about you buddy are you i don't think i don't think you're a biter are you no he's just gonna press just up curious against, oh yeah. it's okay um i think one of one of the reasons and this this is like kind of goes back to just the the building a fan base and all that stuff i think the reason amy and katie said I should talk to you is just like you're kind of known as like the email list guru guru amongst comedians like I think you're the one that whenever Amy talks about email lists like it's like you and Josh Gondelman are the yeah. two people that she like, gives ex as examples it's the smartest thing you can do you've done four shows start a mailing list okay do you think like a sub stack counts or it should be like specific like it depends it depends on what kind of person you are i don't fucking want to talk to anybody mm -hmm. i don't want to write anything i don't want it's not how i want to be creative mm -hmm. i love how aggressively friendly he is so for me i do mailchimp just because it's a picture of a poster hey guys da da da, da send it out i i make it as simple as it's not that interesting it's a way to connect with people that have told me it's basically you have people that enjoy what you do, you have fans, mm -hmm. and then you have super fans, and your super fans are on your mailing list. Okay. And your super fans are happy. Your super fans are like your parents, where they're just proud of anything you do. And so that's how I treat it. Hey, super fans, I'm coming to Orlando. I'd love for you to come. And I came out with a book about cats. If you like cats or not, here's this book. You know what I mean? Like, um, that's what it is. As opposed to Instagram, I have to entertain you. Mm -hmm. Or, or um, um, in person, like at a show, I have to entertain you. I'm not, I'm not personally entertaining in my mailing list. My mailing list is a way to inform my super fans where they can super fan so themselves. Is it, is it like it's just the dates or is it like a collection of like, here's some videos I did this month or? So because of the way Gmail has fucked with our ability to connect with people, it used to be like that. Mm -hmm. But now because I want it to be in their inbox, I keep it super simple. Um, it's probably my most recent, it, either the doc I put out a couple of months ago or my most recent special, as well as, hey, this is where I'm going to be. And it's it's geared to just, you know, a 75-mile radius of that place. That's the other thing. I was Because I saw on your website you have one where it's like, just here's a monthly update and here's, like, just let me know when I'm in your town. And the monthly update has kind of gone away because, okay. um, uh, like I said, it's it, MailChimp has actually become so expensive to send that many emails that I now do it per email and so I just send it I'll send out a mass email to everybody when my special comes out or when I release my book or my mm -hmm. doc came out but for the most part I send out one mass email a year to everybody and then everybody else is getting it like when I'm in Orlando when I'm in Austin when I'm in you know Seattle okay so it's more like because I've heard people talk about mailing lists in terms of like like, you know, you put out all these videos on Instagram and TikTok, but the algorithm might bury them from your followers. But For like sure. It's definitely going to end up in their inbox on a mailing list. Or like what you do, which is more like the, the strategy of um, like s with the specific intention of getting people to buy tickets to your show. Yes. Um, I think the thing is, is people are posting these videos with no goals in mind. My goal all, I don't post an really anything new mm -hmm. and I don't really post a lot of the crowd work stuff because I don't. That's not the show you're gonna see. I wrote a new hour. I like writing material. I don't want to fucking talk to you. Right. If that's what you do, I on don't stage, care what you do for a living or how long you've been together. I don't. I really don't. And if you want to see that show or if that's the show you put on, by all means. But that's not my show. I do a little interactive stuff when it's when I care. But I don't. That's. 
so like you know you have a heckler thing here i have a little bit of interactive stuff when it happens organically mm -hmm. but that's not that's not pleasurable to me and that's not that doesn't make me feel proud of what i do so i still i still post a lot of old stuff but I'm just building my fan base for people to see what I do so that they can see my new hour. Mm -hmm. Nothing I'm doing right now is online, so you're gonna pay to see my new hour, and then I'm already, my new hour's done, I'm filming it in September, and I already have 20 minutes of what the next hour is gonna be. I like writing, I like growing, and you're either with me or you're not. But I'm not giving away what I'm currently working on for free. So if you want to come see it, it's going to cost 20 bucks. That's great. I like it, it's it, all the people I've been kind of talking to. It's so wild to see like all the different takes that people have because like you have this thing of like I'm not showing the new stuff. So like the one video per week that you do is that like from old albums and old specials. I have four hours out. Yeah. So you can just yeah. chop up like a minute or two and at a time. And you recycle things because like I just re-released this eyelash. I have a joke that says uh, men don't care about your eyelashes. That went viral five years ago. Got me a bunch of followers. was really helpful. And then I edited it a little shorter, a little tighter. And now it's doing well. I posted it yesterday. Yeah. Are there some people that have seen it before? Sure. But those people go, oh, yes, it's one of my favorites. And then everybody else is like, oh, did you hear about this girl? Yeah. And my favorite part is, you know, my, like I said, that first album, I'm 28, I'm 38 now. People will be like, oh, what happened to her? <laughs> <laughs> she must have had a rough weekend. Yeah, right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, totally like, different oh, woman. sorry, I'm aging in real time. Um, so it's like, it's whatever. And, and this is that tactic right for everybody? No. But at the same time, I've had the luxury of a 20-year career and I like what I've done, and people are just starting to watch it now. That's great. So fuck it. I'm not going to pretend like I didn't do all this work. I would love for people to discover my old stuff. I know. That's like, that's kind of what I'm struggling with now. So like where you were at 28, I, cur I like am at 37. Like yeah. I, I am, you know, feeling super down about stuff. Um, like my biggest thing is just filling the calendar and like getting quality stage time. And like, so it's like, you know, with this kind of stuff, you have to have like, what's, what's your goal with it? You know, I, I think... For me, like I just I kind of want to develop some sort of I don't know if like following is the right word, but I just want to get some kind of notoriety just to like get booked on more shows around town. Like, is, is that even like the right avenue to go about that? Because I really struggle with like the in-person hang stuff like you mentioned earlier. Sure. So I think between your friends, I think between having a, a solid video and I think bet between making a, a good reputation, like I don't even know you well and I knew you as a nice person. OK, so even just that alone. So you take. Because you're, let's say you have three comedy friends, right? Mm -hmm. You're all in the same place. Your buddy Mark knows maybe two people that you don't know. And then your friend Samantha knows four people that you don't know. And you kind of trade insider secrets. Hey, I just did this show at the gutter bar. It was really good. Oh, cool. Can I get his email? And can I use your name? And they go, absolutely. So then you go to the gutter bar per person and go, hey, Samantha said she did your show last week and it was awesome. This is my tape. I've done this, this, and this. I would love to do a spot. If you need me to come by and like meet, I'm happy to do that. You know, and, and you'll see. Maybe they'll get back to you. Maybe they won't. Um, and then it's vice versa. You do a show, and then your buddy Mark is like, hey, what was the deal with that show? And you're like, hey, he didn't get back to me the first five times, but if you stop by. And you start to kind of do these, uh, like, you know, insider secrets of just getting stage time. Yeah. And then from there, you start to either do your own show or you start to get, like, a good tape at the sesh thing or you start to build a following on social media. Like, little – like, it's – Four things are building at once, and you have to do whatever it takes to get on stage, get better, mm -hmm. um, uh, start to create a reputation for yourself in however you want it to be. And then if the goal is to get better and work, then find any way to get better and work. That might be starting your own show. That might be... Um, doing social media for a larger comic that might be this podcast. I don't know what it is and yeah. things are ever changing, but why wouldn't you do whatever it takes to tell a joke and get better? I know it's, I, I think part of it is getting older and sometimes I don't have the energy to take like an hour. Like I have to like really force myself to like get on the train and like go out to Astoria and like, like do an open mic at QED or go hang out at the show. But and why like, wouldn't you invite your wife and go find a Greek restaurant in Queens and go, Hey, why don't we go to this place? Then you can go home and I'll go do this mic. Yeah. Or, Hey, I'm going to do this mic right after work. Why don't you meet me there? I want to take you to this new Greek place that my buddy told me. So about. like make it something more than just even today. I don't want to do certain things but i'll go have dinner with my friend in between spots i have four spots on friday it is exhausting i have a two-hour break i'll go meet up with a college buddy in between i'll go meet up with another comic and get dinner because we haven't seen each other in three weeks this is 
how I get myself out of the house half the time, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's my entire way of socializing, and I have found a way to, even when I don't want to do something, whether it's because I don't like the job, or the money's good, but it's not really what I want to be doing, or I need to do this gig to get better, whatever it is, I do it because it's important to me, and I'll find a way to be a good friend, be a good comic, and fucking pay my rent, and I think... Yeah, you're getting older, but who gives a fuck? There's right. people that started at your age. You mm -hmm. should feel good that you've been doing it this long and you still feel passionate about it. Right, yeah. Like, I still, like, even though it's very difficult and I get really worn down, I still, like, desperately, at my core, like, really, really want, like, a full calendar, a lot of stage time in front of good crowds. Like, that's, like, all this other stuff that I do is, even this podcast is in service of that. Like, the yeah. whole point of this, it's, like, kind of just going public with, like, my feelings of personal failure just at like as as a comedian i, I like that's why i've like leaned so heavily it, it, why i drag all of this like you know yeah. camera equipment around yeah. i want to i want to do the most with it that i possibly can i feel like if i just showed up with this microphone and and the recorder and then like i just put the audio out and that was it it like wouldn't be enough so like like this has been a great way for me to like direct energy into sometimes i worry it comes at the expense of stand-up but there's a part of me that tries to rationalize like well, you don't have a lot going on stand-up wise. If something goes well with this, then it can like feed into stand-up. You're, you're saying they you're aren't. Yeah, and you're learning something. It's a skill. You have no idea how this skill might help you in the future. Whether mm -hmm. it's just making a friend because you talk about cameras at an open mic, and now you made a, a fucking camera dork friend. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just think everybody wants everything to like. You think all you need is X, Y, and and, and uh, you know Z skills to do stand up, but really, as you've seen, you need to edit your own clips. You need to do fucking subtitles. You need to you know set up a camera. You need to be a social media guru. Like, there's 80 things we now have to do. And because I got good at the business side, because I got good at the social media side, I now know how to hire people. I now know what I want to do and don't want to do. And I also uh, know how to start new adventures and know that it's worth the energy and the time because I've seen how it's made my life better. Yeah. I, this is great to hear because like so many comics I talk to, they say the same thing where it's like, there's so much we have to do now, but they say it. And I, I have fallen into this trap and I'm guilty of this all the time of like, they say it with like kind of a despairing, like, why can't I just tell jokes? But like the perspective I'm getting from you. And that's like the word that really jumps to mind is perspective is that like, it's, it's, it's like about, there's just a sense of possibility like like yeah it can be aggravating or tough to do these things but like it's not for nothing ultimately and it goes back to what i said to my girlfriend if you knew you were going to meet your husband and have a kid in three years would you continue to do what you're doing and feel, com feel calm about it mm -hmm. i can now tell myself all the things i started doing 10 years ago and even the stuff i did five years ago paid off so i now know not all of them you take risks some work some don't but I've already seen the benefits of doing things other people aren't doing and doing things that are hard. Why wouldn't I continue to experiment as this world and this craft has changed? Mm -hmm. And what, so you said before, like at the beginning, you know, you were five years ahead before, now you're maybe like three weeks ahead. Like, what are you doing now to stay ahead that's equivalent to like reading Gary Vee's book in 2010? I'm. The industry is at a pause right now mm -hmm. with the writer's strike and the actor's strike. I participated in that stuff, but that's not how I make a living. So it's not affecting me financially, but it is affecting my future goals. So I wrote a script. I had a production company for a while that ended. Um, I was still hopeful something would come of it. And my manager wants me to write a more kind of, t this was like a dramedy, an hour long dramedy. And she wants me to write more of like a bump bump sitcom kind of thing. I'll do it eventually. It's not really what I want to do. I actually want to take the script I wrote and turn it into a novel. Oh, wow. Is it financially the right thing? Is it creatively the right thing? Is it career-wise the right thing? I don't know, but I want to do it. And I think more and more I am fine financially. I'm doing all the things I want to do in my comedy career. I just want to be creative and this is giving me drive to be creative and I know I'll learn something and at the worst case scenario I'll know my character so well when I do try to sell this thing that I am not doing the stereotypical thing career-wise so that I can be fulfilled creatively right. and I think you can't go wrong if the whole point of doing this is to be creatively fulfilled and like you're grounded in and anchored in 
like that creativity that seems to be the place that you can and i'm only going to get better i might not be the best book it might i might have to self-release it um but i know 10 people will read it i know i'll be become a better writer because of it and you don't know if somebody reads it feels an inkling of it and goes oh this could be a script oh that's so weird maybe i should write one it's there it's there i just i fucking wrote it two years ago i if the whole point of this business is to just be creatively yourself and grow creatively, I'm doing that every day. And now I'm financially and comedically in a good place that I can take this risk. Why would I not take it? Right. Because before it was survival and I'm not in survival mode anymore. Now I'm in enjoyment mode and what a luxury. Why wouldn't I not? It's like when somebody makes a million dollars and they don't take vacations. Yeah. Why not take a creative vacation and do something challenging? Why not go back to school? I'm reading all these books on how to write novels. I went to school for this. I forgot all of it. <laughs> but like I, I just think you can't, even if I don't finish the book, I don't think it's a waste. It's so tough but so important to keep that kind of, the whole reason you got into it top of mind and not let the economic or career or growth stuff kind of like suppress you or put you down. Yeah, you have to continue to remember why you do this. Mm-hmm. Maybe you did this to be famous, and if that's what you did, I guess keep your eye on the on the ball. But I didn't do this to be famous. I did this to be funny, and right. I'm really proud of the work I do. I am not for everybody. I'm not somebody that kills every show, but I do know I'm different. I do know that I'm 100% myself. I do know that when the people do like me, they really like me, and I don't. I don't want to be... If the being the funniest person on the show gets more spots, sure. But I'm I don't need to be the funniest person on the show. I don't need to be the person that kills. I need to be the person that when I go home, I go, I really liked what I did there. That's great to hear. Very refreshing. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I know we're bumping up against time here, and I got to break everything down. Um, all the whole the whole setup that I brought here. Um, Liz, thanks for having me over and chatting here, and I was happy to fight through the cats and <laughs> spill blood in service of the podcast. It's I great. So sorry my cats bit you. No, it's um, right. It's, it's, you can't even see it. It's fine now. I've, um, you know what? You will always, every time you shave, you will remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Thanks of course. For uh, where can people find you? Any links you want me to share in, yes. the, in, the, in the comments? So my newest, um, when is this coming out? This will be out not this Wednesday, like 13 days from now, basically. Okay. So my latest special, The Ghost of Academic Future, that is free on YouTube, but I have a total of three specials on there, and I have four albums out. And then my newest special I'm taping in Brooklyn, September 16th at the Bell House, and everything is at Liz Mealy. Awesome. Liz Mealy and Ghost and um, Lunchbox. Lunchbox. Oh, I also have a book called Why Cats Are Assholes. Very appropriate. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) We'll plug that in there, too. And, you know, I don't hold it personally against Ghost. He's just a little baby. He's only seven months old. Yeah, he's seven months old. He's really just learning how to kiss people. And he's too cute. Just the way he was doing that earlier. I not even bite me more. I don't care. It's (laughs) totally fine. All right. Thank you so much. See you later.